In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is perhaps a bit strange that the text for the first Sunday in Advent and the beginning of the Christian year comes from the end of Jesus's ministry, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Chronologically, this passage about Palm Sunday seems out of place here at the beginning of all things. Yet the ancient church fathers, in their wisdom, saw fit to read these words today. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a fault, the foal of a beast of burden. These words, originally spoken by the prophet Zechariah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, express the core tenet of the Christian faith. Your king comes to you. This is the whole gospel. From beginning to end, from Advent to Holy Week, these words serve as bookends to the message of salvation. Your king comes to you. It's wonderful to consider that you are included in the message. The gospel is deeply personal. Salvation is for you. Your king comes to you. But it's even more wonderful to consider what you are doing to bring about that salvation. Think about the words, your king comes to you, and tell me what you are doing in that sentence. Nothing. Are you coming to your king? Are you seeking God? Are you doing something? Anything? No, nothing. This is the heart of the gospel, and it's what makes Christianity, the true religion, stand apart from every counterfeit. Last night, my goddaughter was born again through the saving waters of holy baptism. She's not even two weeks old. And what did she do to contribute to her second birth? Pretty much the same thing she did to contribute to her first birth. Nothing. Someone else did all the work. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Christians are often overly fond of taking spiritual temperature checks. Am I truly a believer? Do I love God for his own sake, or do I love him because of all his blessings? Am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? These questions are hardly ever cause for rejoicing, because when you examine your own heart, you're not going to like what you find. But I'll tell you what is cause for rejoicing. While you were dead in sins and trespasses, Christ made you alive. While you were yet far off, you were brought near through the blood of Christ. While you were enemies of God, you were reconciled to him through the death of his son. In other words, Rejoice, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you. The devil cannot undo the work of salvation. It stands finished, and nothing he can do can change that fact. But the devil will do his best 
to undo it in your thinking. He's an expert at teaching Christians to talk and behave as though they did the work of salvation. Listen to many people talk about their conversion, and you will hear such things as, I decided to follow Christ. I gave my life to Jesus. I changed my ways. I found God, as though God were the one who was lost. I, I, I. Many Christians speak this way, and it always leads to doubt. But when you read scripture or listen to the saints of old, you'll discover that they did not speak this way. The word I really has no place in an account of your salvation, generally speaking. Instead, you'll find the word me. And what's the difference? Am I quibbling about little things? No, not really. This is all about who is doing the action, the work of salvation. I did not decide to follow Christ. He called me to himself by the gospel. I did not give my life to Jesus. He gave his life for me. I did not change my heart. The Holy Spirit created a clean heart within me. And I certainly did not find God. In fact, the Bible says there is none that seeks God. He sought and found me. I did not and cannot make my way up to heaven. You know, if God required this, it would be terrible news for you and for me. And basically a guarantee of hell. The gospel, the good news is the opposite of climbing up to heaven. Rejoice, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you. Every other religion tells you how to climb up to its God, but Christianity alone tells you of the true God who came down to man, down to sinners who could not choose him, who could not love him, who could not even desire him. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he knew that he would be murdered before the end of the week. And he rode in anyway. That is the story of your conversion. Your king came to you knowing that your sin would cost him his life. He came anyway. He loved you when you did not love him, when you could not love him. And still, we're often desperate, it seems, to credit ourselves with some part of our salvation. And so we might say, yes, it is the work of Christ, but I have to make a choice, right? Wrong. Dead people, whether physically dead like Lazarus or spiritually dead, as all of us are at birth, Dead people can't choose anything. Lazarus didn't choose to be resurrected. Neither did my goddaughter last night. Neither did you. God chose you. Well, then we might say, I have to repent. Yes, repentance is required for salvation, but repentance doesn't originate within the heart of man. 
Repentance is the gift of God. But then, after God leads me to repentance, then I must have faith, right? Faith also is the gift of God. I suppose that if someone really, really wants to take credit for some small part of salvation, then we might make this concession. Okay, you want to take credit for something. Here's what you did to contribute to your salvation. You contributed sin and hostility toward God. But that's it. Everything else comes from God. And that is great news. Why? Because if God left any small part of salvation up to us, we could never be sure of heaven. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. If even 1% of being saved depended on our efforts, we would certainly mess it up. But thanks be to God, our salvation is assured by the work of Christ alone. Rejoice, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you. The reason the gospel is good news is because it tells us not what we must do, but what Christ has already done. And this is truly a cause for rejoicing because everything that needed to be done to open the doors of heaven to you has already been done. No, you didn't come to Christ. He comes to you and he brings with him his righteousness and salvation, which he gives to you. Today, as one year comes to a close and a new church year begins, we listen to the words that are both the beginning and the end of the Christian message. We rejoice to hear that the work of salvation is fully accomplished, even as we prepare our hearts once again for the advent of our King. Yes, the season of Advent is a time within the Christian year, a time of repentance, a time to renew our focus on Christ and his coming. And yet, this is always the task of the church on earth. We wait with joyful hope for the advent of our King. There's never a time in this life when we will cease to live in repentance and faith, thanking God for the first coming of our Lord, looking for his second coming with great anticipation and joy. Rejoice, daughter of Zion. Your king comes to you. This is what Christians in every age have done and will continue to do until that final day. And so with them we pray with hope and joy, come Lord Jesus. In his name, amen.